Welcome back to Single Minded, where we are flipping the script on being single. I am your host, Hannah First. And I'm your co-host, Linda. Now, before we get into New Zealand chat, because I just got back, I got my first dick pic ever. I've never Mm. got sent one. Yuck. (laughs) What even is that? So, I'll tell you what happened. I opened Instagram and I went to like, you get like direct message requests. And so I went in and so there's like mostly girls messaging me, asking me for dating or beauty advice. And this guy, Liam something or other sent just a photo and I knew, and I, but I was too intrigued. Like I just had to know what it was. I should have just yes. deleted it. So I opened the photo. Yep. That was, it was a dick pic. Why? What? Uh, yeah. This is really common on social media. I've never had it. Is it really? I've never had one. Is it their own appendage or they've sent, yeah, I think you know, so, something from a porno? No, because he it was in the Instagram, like it was a photo that you take in Instagram. That is disgusting. <laughs> Disgraceful. <laughs> but listen to, I was really mad at myself because I, I ended up blocking and deleting the message and then I was like, damn it. Do you know what I should have done? And I had it all, you know, when you do something and then you're like, oh, why didn't I do that? Wish you'd rehearsed it. Yeah. So this was what I, next time, what I'm going to write back. So I'm going to say, my dad is a high ranking police officer. (laughs) He he, he is currently tracking your whereabouts and there is a warrant out for your arrest. And then just oh send my that. God. And that's okay. going to be like just simple. Why would just, someone think that that is of interest to any woman? I think it's how they get their thrills. Right. Like, right. Just I giving think, you a bit of a shock. And like, then he can yep. see that you've opened it, right? Yeah. But honestly, I was, I was laughing. I was just like, is this a joke? And <sighs> and then I just was like, I wish I'd scared the shit out of him because Next they- Next time, show me. I never get anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> guys, <laughs> any guys listening, Linda wants a dick pic. Joking, yeah. please don't do that. It was actually disc- it was disgusting. So because I've been watching all your tries at various extreme sports, I was pretty amazed that you gave all those a go. But when I watched the white water rafting, I just thought that is crazy because you've got death anxiety. It is dangerous, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And then I just remembered that I'd been to Zimbabwe with your sisters and Rob, not you, Mm. and we went white water rafting in Zimbabwe and I just Googled white water rafting and Victoria Falls on the Zambezi River, which was where we were, and it is one of the nine most dangerous white water rapids in the world. New Zealand doesn't even rate a mention. What were we thinking? I don't. That's a dad idea for sure. Oh, I would <sighs> never do that now. Anyway, how was? did you like white water rafting? I did. And actually, I texted you, I think, and I said, all the guys that take the tours are all really cute. Yes. Adventure. Very nuts. adventure, but, but all really fun and cute. Mm. And I was like, maybe I need to move to some... Adventure Town. Yeah, I was really vibing. (laughs) I could see. I could see. Yeah. So today I am chatting to a sleep researcher because I really wanted to understand this whole sleeping in the same beds because that seems to be what society thinks is the only way that a couple can sleep together. So um, Mm. I wanted to get a different perspective from someone that doesn't sleep well with others. So let's get into the interview and we'll be back later, Linda. 
So I'm really excited to welcome Dr. Alex Meller to the podcast. She is a postdoctoral research fellow at the Sleep Program at Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health at Monash University. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So I wanted to sort of start um, before we get into the questions to tell me a little bit about yourself and your area of interest. Sure. So I am a researcher at Monash University and I'm really interested in sleep and mental health. And specifically, I do a lot of research on insomnia and clinical trials. Well, um, that's good for me because I am a terrible sleeper and this is why it was this was why I really wanted to do this episode. So I'd like to start at the beginning. What makes a good night's sleep? Like what are the necessary ingredients to achieving this? Okay, so a lot of people might think that a good night's sleep is waking up feeling refreshed. This is one way to look at it. Although you might feel a bit groggy in the morning and that's totally normal for the first sort of half an hour to an hour after waking. Having energy to do the things in your day that you need to do, that also might suggest a good night's sleep. One thing people think is really um, an indicator of good sleep is having unbroken sleep. And this isn't actually true. It is really normal to have periods of time in the night where you wake up, but longer than sort of half an hour at a time is where there might be a suggestion of insomnia. So the most important thing, the ingredients that we need for a good night's sleep is regular bed and wake times. This is particularly important if you do sleep poorly and it can be really tempting to sort of, you know, sleep in on the weekends and things, but we actually know that that regular bedtime and especially regular wake time is really important. And there's other things as well, like avoiding alcohol, making sure you sort of exercise to build up that sleep pressure as we call it during the day so that you are tired at night, avoiding caffeine in the afternoon, Bright light in the evening isn't good either. Um, It messes with melatonin, which is a sleep hormone that's really important, and our internal body clocks. So in terms of sleep duration, there isn't one magic number. So I often hear people say, you need eight hours. Not true. It depends Mm. on on the individual. Mm -hmm. But they do say that between seven and nine hours is recommended. So not more than nine and not less than seven where possible because sleep is really important for your brain and overall health. I went away with a couple of friends recently and I wake up a lot during the night, only for like a minute. Like it's a very short wake up, but it happens a lot. Same thing with my mum actually, who does this podcast with me. And my friends, because we're all in the same room, were like, are you okay? Is something (laughs) wrong with you? And I was like, no, this is just what I do. And I really thought that maybe there was something wrong with me, but I feel like you've just said, no, that, that can be quite normal. Look, I mean, it is normal to wake up a few times. If it's bothering you, And if it's sort of adding up to more than half an hour over the night, then there might be reason to sort of go and get advice. But it is really normal to have there's stages of sleep and there are lighter stages where you're more likely to sort of just wake up for a little bit and then go back. As long as it's not, you know, lying awake and going, when am I ever going to go back to sleep? No, it's definitely just a quick like a wake up, go to the bathroom, come back. Yeah, that's fine. And they thought that was just crazy. (laughs) No, it is not crazy. The other thing that you said about going to bed and waking up at the same time. So I obviously go, I go to, I'm like a night owl. Does it matter what time you go to bed and wake up or it just matters that it's the same time? It just matters that it's the same time. And what you said about being a bit of a night owl, it is really good to know what you are, sort of where you function best in the day and whether you're more alert at night or in the, you know, in the morning. And so sleeping in line with our body clocks is really important. And that's something that was really interesting during COVID was that people in lockdown and people who were at home more and not commuting were able to kind of sleep a little bit more in line with their own body clocks. And that actually Mm. is the recipe for good sleep. I've been freelancing and I've been 
following my body clock because I know what it wants, it actually does make a difference. Oh, absolutely. We're all on the same like, you know, corporate schedule, but it feels better not to be. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's called social jet lag, mm. this phenomenon, and it's really not great for performance. And we really should be moving towards flexible start times based on people's body clocks. Mm, I'm all for that. So can you tell me a bit about the sleep study that you conducted? I think it was couples where one person in the couple had insomnia. Yeah, and sometimes both members of the couple did. Um, so this was research led by Professor Sean Drummond, and what it was was the world's first insomnia treatment to include the partner in the treatment. So this treatment's mm. called Cognitive Behavioural Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, and it's a behavioural treatment, so there's no medication or anything. It involves changing habits and behaviours around sleep. And we were the first in the world to add the partner to the treatment. And the idea behind this mm. is that about 60% of Australians are in a couple in a relationship and live together. And then we know that about 17% sleep separately, but the majority kind of share a bed. And so we know that couples impact each other's sleep and it really makes sense to get the partner on board for something that the couple are doing kind of together. Mm. And also CBTI is not easy. It's super effective, like 70 to 80% effective in improving insomnia symptoms, but it's quite hard. It involves getting out of bed in the middle of the night, restricting sleep, that kind of thing. And so we thought if we add the partner, they can help encourage the right behaviours because often partners Mm -hmm. do the opposite. So they'll say to Mm. someone, I hear all the time people with insomnia saying, oh, my partner told me to go to bed early and, you know, (laughs) get a longer time in bed when they've got insomnia. It's actually the opposite. Mm. We know that the longer that you spend in bed awake, the worse this is. And so part of the treatment is restricting the time that you have in bed which can be really challenging, getting out of bed when you're not sleeping after sort of 20 minutes you meant to get up and do something quiet in another room. And so, yeah, we involved the partner in the treatment sessions. The results are still to be properly analysed, but we're hoping the findings will come out later this year. And if we see that including the partners actually helped people stick to the recommendations, then we might see a lot more couples-based treatment in the future rather than just the individual. Mm. It totally makes sense. I saw a sleep psychologist years ago and I that's when I learned about the restricted sleep. I was the same. I thought you just get into bed and stay in bed. It's the opposite, isn't it? Yeah, it's the opposite. Why do you need to get out of, I mean, for me, I was like had all these really, I felt bad associations were starting to develop about bed and it became a exactly. place of like sleeplessness. Yes, that's exactly it. And it was like anxiety inducing. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that the main reason? That's it. The brain is incredibly clever. So as soon as it starts to associate the bed as this is not sleep, this is stress time, this is where I lie awake and worry about how many hours are left in the night, it starts to become, it's called conditioned arousal. So you get into bed and it's immediately like, boom, you could have even been tired, you know, on the couch mm. falling asleep, but then the bed becomes this sort of alerting place. And so that's what that's called is, is that kind of conditioned arousal. And we try to break that by saying to people, get out of bed if you've been in there for more than 20 minutes or so awake. Don't look at a clock, but, you know, get a sort of sense of have I been lying here for a bit too long? And then there's also the restricting the sleep instead of staying in bed longer to try and really consolidate or get you sleeping in one block rather than those kind of, you know, little bits here and there over the night. Mm, yeah, I had to sleep on the couch for a while because the bed was like had become this evil place. Yes, Yeah. <laughs> I actually personally don't sleep well with anyone else in the room, let alone the bed. I've tried. I don't like it. Is this like a common thing? It's certainly not uncommon. So it's really hard to get 
statistics around how many couples actually don't sleep together because I think there's a bit of a stigma around it. I know there is because I've heard so many people talk about it. But I think it depends on who's in the room. So if it's someone that you've known for years, it's maybe a a long-term partner, you might get used to them. But if it's a new partner or if it's a casual relationship or it's a friend, you know, you mentioned your holiday, these sorts of things, it's pretty normal because it's like a different a different environment that you're used to to um, sleeping in, you know. Mm. I think that there's a misconception that sleeping in separate beds is sort of the beginning of the end of a relationship. What are the reasons that couples might choose to sleep apart? I can imagine that if one person is like a really bad sleeper or snores, that it actually might be a good thing. Yeah. Oh, look, it absolutely can be a really good thing. I think there's a real emotional component to sleep. So in couples, people often think, you know, you have to be sleeping in the same bed to be connected, to have that intimacy, to have sex, all of these things. But it's actually not the case that sleeping separately signals, you know, the beginning of the end or that this is a bad relationship. It might actually mean that they are more intimate and have more time and more energy to have sex. So it's actually the opposite. Mm. Um, And as you touched on, there are lots of reasons to sleep separately. So there's snoring. There's people with mismatched body clocks. So one person goes to bed at eight, the other one midnight, and they're disturbing each other and getting up and going to bed. There's um, sleep disorders like twitching legs, restless leg syndrome, mm-hmm. different preferences for light or, you know, temperature, those sorts of things, even noise. You know, you might have one partner listening to the radio in an earphone that you can still hear a little bit of, those sorts of mm-hmm. things. Yep. <laughs> and then there's also kids. If there's kids involved, if the kids are still waking in the night, to have one parent that takes on that role and maybe even share it, but just so that not both, you know, both people are being affected and having really poor sleep. So I actually think Mm. sleeping separately can improve a relationship rather than Mm. be a bad thing. It makes sense. It totally makes sense. It's just I think when I've been dating someone and it's come up, I, do, I just can't. Like, I, I think you're right. Like, if you knew someone really well, it might be a different story. But people are weird about not sharing beds. Like, we've been conditioned to think that sleeping in the same bed equals happy, healthy relationship. Yeah. And I'm saying yeah. absolutely not. If there's sleep <laughs> problems. You're the sleep specialist. Yes. I <laughs> have saying- sleep problems. So, for me, it's like, why would you want to sleep in a bed with yeah. me? Like, I don't know why. And I think that's kind of a way that you can approach that if you are, you know, with somebody or, you know, in a, a relationship or a casual thing, whatever it is, but just sort of saying, like, I'm mm. not a very nice person if I don't get a good night's sleep. That actually takes us to the next question, which is, so how might someone broach the subject with their partner, whether it's long term or it's casual because I think this is like the actual this is not you this is me situation like this really is one of those situations yeah. where it's you um yeah. agreed <laughs> how might they broach it I think you can actually say that you know make a joke out of it and say <laughs> it's not you it's me but also I don't want to stuff up your sleep and you can mm. throw some sleep facts in there and say you know sharing a bed is linked to actually people we know that when couples um, sleep together, they disturb each other's sleep. And they mm. say on self-reports, they say, you know, oh, yes, I sleep better when I sleep with my partner. But when we've actually scientifically looked at this and used sleep tracking devices, mm. it's actually the opposite. But it's just that. Oh, my God. Tell me about that. What? what have just, you actually tracked it? 
So there's just a study that I read that's been done on that where they we use like sleep trackers. They're kind of like research grade Fitbits and those sorts of things. And a colleague yep. in my team looked at transmission of wakefulness between couples and it absolutely happens. So people might think that they're getting better sleep, but actually there's more what we call arousals or little kind of coming little periods of wakefulness that you may or may not remember. But overall, sleeping alone is often associated with better sleep quality <laughs> and better therefore mood relationship quality that kind of thing so you can mm, you could say yeah. this to the person that you're with reassure them you know that there's um you still want to be intimate you still want to have cuddles and things but you might just slink off into the next room so that you are your your best self the next day you can kind of make a joke of it and say you don't want to see me when i haven't had sleep i'm a bit of a mess you know, those sorts of things. Oh, and I loved one couple that was in our trial talked about visiting rights and I thought that was just so lovely. So they had this thing of we sleep in separate beds but we have visiting rights. So, you know, I can go to his bed or, or, you know, whatever and then then we swap but we sleep separately. My mum who co-hosts this podcast, she'll be so interested to talk about this after, but she's ordered King singles for the same room. Yeah. Because she said they're they're like in their sixties and they're just doing it now. She's like, I'm done. I can't. Like they've been yeah. putting up with it <laughs> with like completely different temperatures. She's really hot. Yeah. So did you find that couples are doing kind of both where they have separate beds as opposed to maybe even separate rooms? Yeah, I think it depends on the couple. I think you can sort of do yep. do some experimenting and see. Is it, you know, if it's snoring, then separate beds probably not gonna be huge make yeah. a huge difference but also I should say with snoring if there is snoring pretty important to get that checked out with a GP just yeah. because we know snoring can be a sign of sleep apnea which is not great in terms of getting oxygen to your brain and making sure that you stay healthy so that's just a little okay. aside yeah. mm. in the article I read in the Guardian um, you said that we need to normalize sleeping in separate beds why do you think it's important to normalize it oh we absolutely do so People think at the moment, as I've touched on, that this indicates poor relationship quality. I'm saying that I actually think that if you improve sleep and if this has to be done by sleeping separately, this may actually improve relationships. Sleep Mm. is essential for physical and mental health. And so not to sort of scare people, but poor sleep and really short durations of sleep and really disrupted sleep are linked to all sorts of things like dementias and cancers, um, weight gain, all these things, and then mental health as well. Huge links to depression, anxiety, all of the um, different psychological disorders often have sleep problems as a Mm -hmm. symptom of those disorders. And there's almost half of insomnia people who have insomnia have mental illness as well. So, look, it's super important. And, again, it's not to scare people but it's to say make sleep a priority. Don't obsess over it because anxiety doesn't help. Um, But make it a priority like you might do with your exercise and your diet and that regular sort of sleep and wake time, really important, and making sure that you do, yeah, sleep in a different room if you need to, if your sleep's being disturbed. So just prioritising it and then doing all those things that I mentioned before about avoiding alcohol and and caffeine too late in the day, those sorts of things. Mm. Awesome. And are there any other resources that people can go and look at after this if they're interested to learn more about sort of good sleep hygiene and insomnia if they're if they're struggling with that at the moment? Yeah, so I think if you've got any sleep problems, so you're worried about your sleep or concerned, it's always worth going to your GP as a first point of contact. There are plenty of sleep clinics available around the country and there's also the Sleep Health Foundation, which is quite good to look at 
you can look them up online the australasian sleep association there's often fact sheets and and tips and that kind of thing in terms of treatments there are also research studies that sometimes run like the one that i just completed and there's upcoming studies as well and if you keep an eye on the website insomnia.org.au there might be some sort of new studies that are being advertised there soon as well so there are there's there's plenty of resources and plenty of help out there available for people Amazing. Well, thanks so much for your time today. It was so nice to chat. So nice to talk to you. Thank you. So, Linda, sleep. Sleeping apart. Yes, I aligned with all her advice, including (laughs) probably unlike you, regular bed and wake times because actually when you get older, most people say it's very hard to sleep in too many years of getting up early. So, I wake up anytime between 6.30 and 7.30, regardless of whether I've had a late night or not. And no alcohol means a much better sleep, even one drink. And I know I've had that one drink at 4 Mm -hmm. a.m. I don't know why. And I only have one coffee in the morning. I have block out blinds. I have a fan, of course. And now I have my own (laughs) bed. I went upstairs and, wait, Ruby just couldn't stop laughing when she saw it. Who couldn't stop laughing when they saw this? No, Alice was in hysterics anyway. I thought they it looked like a ho- <laughs> they look like hotel beds the way that you've designed exactly. it all. Yeah. You know in the um 50 separate beds were the norm. Uh, I've actually looked it up because it was a century up until the 50 separate beds were seen as a healthier, more modern option for couples than the double because doctors warned that sharing a bed would allow the weaker sleeper to drain the vitality of the stronger. <laughs> well, so true. But by the 60s, twin beds had fallen out of fashion, but I am bringing the singles back. And after all our talk, mine have arrived, as you said, I am sleeping so much better. Wow. So I've got new bedding that's warm, but lightweight. I'm not overheating. I'm not getting disturbed. Got a very firm mattress, only getting up for the toot twice. Oh, that's an improvement, isn't it? Yeah. And straight back to sleep. And I've noticed now I'm timing that if I'm awake, it's less than half an hour, which I've just discovered in that interview you that's okay so Mm. I read something stupid and I'm back to sleep so even though initially it felt like a sad sleep divorce it's actually (laughs) I've decided a sleep alliance and I am super (laughs) super happy with the new arrangement (laughs) oh well for anyone out there thinking about it Linda's done it and I'm so glad normalizing it normalizing it just on the topic of sleep, I haven't told you this. A friend messaged me the other day and said, because she saw all my adventure stuff in New Zealand, and she said, would you ever go on Survivor? Because I know one of the casting oh. people at Survivor. And the only thing I thought really? about. The, the that o- would be good for you. No, better than maths. The only thing I could think of <laughs> when she said that was, well, I won't sleep. Because if I don't have mm. all of my sleep arrangements in place, I will not, I wouldn't sleep for the whole month. I've like, never watched it. Where do they sleep? They have to make their own shelter. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no, no. But on their own? Well, they, they, looks like they build, build stuff. No. Nah. They definitely wouldn't allow me to have my iPhone and my AirPod no. Pro to listen to the TV while I go to sleep. I don't think that would be allowed. Don't you have to eat spiders? I mean, I don't I care don't about any of that. Oh, I just, just care the sleeping. Just the sleeping. The first night in New Zealand, because whenever I'm sleeping in a new place, I 
just have the worst. Like the first two nights of a new place, I can't sleep. And I felt so bad. Everyone could hear me in the whole house. I got up, I probably I probably got up 10 times because I nervous pee. I don't even oh, need to pee. I just gosh. nervous pee. And then I, oh, my God. It, you it, need a bucket under the bed. No, <laughs> um, what are they called? I need a, um, it's not a bucket. It's a bedpan. <laughs> I was in Port Douglas at a friend's house and we all had our own rooms, but they were sort of like, not huts, but they didn't have bathrooms. The bathroom was outside. So I was in a room on my own. So you'd lock yourself in and I think, you know, somebody could have climbed the fence anyway. I don't know what was wrong with me. I got completely freaked out and I couldn't leave the room to go to the bathroom. So in the end I had to get a bucket and every night I'd pee in the bucket (laughs) so that I didn't have to leave the room in case I got attacked. So do we have the same nervous pee problem? Is this a thing? Yes, probably. But the buckets makes you feel very secure because you know you can just pee in the bucket. You'll need to buy a plastic bucket next time. (laughs) Something else that Alex mentioned was visiting rights, and that really hit a chord too with me because I never visit. I'm just happily in my own bed. Don't come near me. And Rob has taken to visiting me without asking. He just jumps in. (laughs) Not very happy about that. Oh, that's quite cute. That's actually really cute. And when we're talking about sharing a room with you, I felt a bit sorry for your New Zealand... What do you call it? Not your flatmate, your your bed, your your roommate. Roommate. Because when we shared a bed in Brunswick Heads, that was a bit of a mistake. (laughs) Your nighttime antics with watching stuff on your iPad was driving me crazy. Yeah, and you sorry. know, I was I was stressing that you weren't going to get up in the morning because it was so late. So I started getting anxiety, and I didn't fully go into a deep sleep until I knew you were asleep. Oh God, I'm sorry. So I hope she didn't suffer as much as me. She actually the next morning said I didn't wake her up. God, really? Yeah, because I had been so I had actually tried to be really quiet. You know, when you get out of bed and you're tiptoeing and you can hear the creaks. And you're uh, mm. uh, and then like oh my god it was I find this whole sleep toilet situation in new environments very stressful and I don't know if anyone relates. <laughs> this is a whole different topic. No. The, the peeing in the night. Hey, one question: When you pee yeah. to flush or not to oh, flush in the night? So I didn't, but I would try to get up early and flush in the <laughs> <Gosh>. morning. <laughs> <laughs> At my house, I couldn't care less. But when I'm at someone else's house, it's a bit awkward, isn't it? Our recent Noosa trip, we had one bathroom between three bedrooms, Lord. So I uh, actually did flush and hope no one was going to wake up. That's not a good thing to come in the morning and see that. I was in Bali with Ruby and I met this guy. Like we had a little romance, stayed at his place that he was staying and I, can you imagine, mum? Can you imagine me trying to sleep? <laughs> so I got up like five times to go to the bathroom, probably like at, out of nerves. Oh. And by 5 a.m., I was like, no, nah, I, I can't do this. So I actually left and got in a taxi and went back to the hotel. Whilst he was asleep? Yep. And then I, I know, <laughs> I had to leave. I had to. I hope you flushed before you left. I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. We'll see you next week. See you next week. If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. 
If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. See you next week.